Are you listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform where you can leave a rate or review? Do you like what we're doing? If the answer to all of that is yes, please consider quickly giving us a five-star rate. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice review, we greatly appreciate that as well. Okay, let's do this. Hello, welcome to the Ghosts of Harrenhal. My name's Simon. And I'm Kelly. Thank you for joining us for episode six of our chapter-by-chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire series by George R.R. R. Martin. Today we're discussing chapter five of A Game of Thrones, John 1. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us at ghosts.harrenhall at gmail.com. You know, it's funny. This is John 1, but it feels more like John 2. Brand's chapter probably re- revealed more about John than it did about yeah, Brand. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Maybe it's, it's easy to forget that was all Brand's perspective, but right. because so much of it was about John himself. Yeah. So what we'll do today is we'll summarize the chapter, discuss what we think, provide some non-spoiler background, discuss some comparisons with the TV show. Let's start with our usual summary of the chapter. McKelly. All right. The scene is the feast to welcome the royal party to Winterfell from John's perspective down in the trenchers with the riffraff and the dogs. He sees the guests of honor parade in, Caitlin with King Robert, Eddard and Queen Cersei, Sansa with Prince Joffrey, Rob with Princess Marcella, Arya with Prince Tommen, and then gets down to some serious drinking. Partly he's drinking because he's hurt that he is banished from sight by Caitlin Stark. We find that, unsurprisingly, Ghost, his direwolf, is the best trained of the children's pets. Ghost snarls down a dog twice his size over a chicken carcass. We hear of John's disappointment at Robert's appearance. He was expecting a legend and instead saw a fat, sweating fool. John talks with his uncle Benjen from the Night's Watch. They're clearly fond of each other. Benjen is impressed that John noticed the hurt in Cersei's eyes when Robert insisted on visiting the crypt upon arrival. John expresses a desire to join the Night's Watch, but Benjen warns him not to be too hasty to taste some life before forswearing it. John's convinced, but Benjen tries to dissuade him. Benjen suggests he comes back after he, John, has sired a few bastards of his own. John's anger flares, and he spits out that he'd never sire a bastard. John staggers outside drunk and has an interesting conversation with Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion gymnastically leaps down from a high perch and meets Ghost. John exaggerates his control and training to scare Tyrion. The imp tells John that while all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes, not all bastards need be dwarves. John, a bit drunk, really likes this sentiment. Awesome. So, yeah, it's uh, good stuff. Yeah, not a a ton. Probably of the chapters we've read so far, this one's the least as far as uh, action. Yeah, I think (laughs) the, the point is to introduce some of the people. I mean... There's descriptions of the whole royal party, and then we right. get, we get to meet Tyrion for the first yeah. time, which is we get some good physical descriptions yeah. of the yeah, yeah. characters. The night starts with laughs and ends with tears for yeah. John, we've who hasn't been there before, <laughs> <laughs> especially when alcohol is involved. <laughs> There's often laughter near the end of the night as well. <laughs> so yeah, uh, John's youth is uh, shown up fairly starkly. He really admires Jamie Lannister. Oh, and by the way, we've solved the mystery of the kings. So right, Jamie yeah. Lannister is, is the one. Yes, from uh, chapter three. Uh, I think Danny is chapter three when the series is lamenting about his father being betrayed right. by the Kingslayer. 
We now know that it is the Queen's twin brother, Jamie Lannister, who's also a member of the Royal Kingsguard. Yeah. So um, he also admires Daron Targaryen and the stories, but not the reality, of King Robert. Right. So it's kind of like like any child of 14, he's taken with the surface of things, not able to see the, the true true beneath right. the surface. Although the, his responsibility and diligence is clearly showing up in his training of ghost. Yeah, if 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 we believe him that all the other kids <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> direwolves are completely untrained. That's a good point. We are taking it, uh, him at his word yeah. there. I suspect he's telling the truth, yeah. yeah. He's down in the trenches and he puts that squarely on Caitlin that she sent him there. It's not totally surprising. Cat married Ned. He went off to war and came back with a son, bound to cause some tension. It is. Although it seems a bit unfair to take her tension and disappointment out on the child. Yeah. He, I mean, even Theon Greyjoy, who's a hostage slash ward, gets a place at the high table. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's pretty rough on John that. I like the chat between Tyrion and John. Uh, possibly the beginning of an unlikely friendship. There. Right. Yeah. They're both outcasts in their family, mm-hmm. or at least they're different than the rest of their siblings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't know too much yet about Cersei and Jaime, but we get a sense that Tyrion's quite a deep thinker, which is, I think, that we've been given a sense of him as being a creature of, well, I'm not sure exactly, I'm not sure exactly how I want to put this, but the, the sense is that he's, he lives up to his te- name, the Imp. Right. To discover that he's actually quite a clever person yes. is, is, is somewhat surprising. Yeah, he, we definitely get the sense that he's a pretty smart guy. Yeah. And I like, I like some of the things that he tells John, like about making your shortcomings your strength and armoring yourself with it so that you can't be hurt by whatever your particular shortcoming might be. And I also like the line about when he opened the door and the, the shadow cast, uh, he was as tall as a king. I yeah. thought that was a pretty cool line. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely that you can see how John, you know, just this whole thing, his disappointment with the king, coupled with his surprisingly quite liking Tyrion, you know, right. sort of like the contrast is there. Right. I like the procession of the entrance into the feast. So uh, the pairings were Ned with Cersei, sort of a mutual coldness between them. Yep. Robert and Cat. I, in my notes here, it says fat and drunk. I assume that was referring to Robert, <laughs> <laughs> not Cat. <laughs> uh, I think John's a bit unfair on Princess Marcella. He is. I, I thought that too, yeah. She's only seven. Right. <laughs> We're giving doughy eyes to Rob. It's not exactly surprising. No. Uh, to conclude that she's insipid seems just a bit mean. Yeah. Similarly, he was kind of giving Rob a hard time for enjoying the attention he was getting, and that just seems like a natural thing that a 14-year-old boy would appreciate is... Well, let me give you an example, actually. I was in a, a line at a grocery store yesterday, and there was a four-year-old girl in front of me, and she and I got talking, and she was <laughs> charmed, and she was, I, I was very happy. I didn't think she was right. insipid, or... <laughs> I didn't think I was anything wrong with being happy that this right. child liked me, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I felt like he had a negative opinion toward all of the all the members of the procession, except for his uncle, Benjen, yeah. and that probably has something to do with him being cast out and being stuck down with the riffraff and the dogs. Yeah. Probably some jealousy going on yeah. there. So we finally meet, at least by name, the rest of the Stark children. Uh, Rickon, age three. Arya, we think around ten. Yeah, I think, based on the ages of Sansa and Bran. Yeah. She's accompanying Prince Tommen, the youngest of the three 
uh, right. royal children. And Sansa, who's 11, with her husband-to-be, Prince Joffrey. Yep, and all three of the royal children have the uh, blonde hair and green eyes of their Lannister mother. Although a hint of Joffrey's character and his pouty lips and disdainful air, that's an interesting observation that John makes. Yeah, although, as I've said, I'm beginning to doubt right. the <laughs> reliability of John as a narrator here. That's true, especially <laughs> as he gets more and more drunk. <laughs> this, this little girl in the line yesterday, she said to me, she said, my mom is not 21, she's not 22. She's, I said, I'm pretty sure your mom's going to want you to stop <laughs> before you go much further. Don't go much further with that. So Rob is heir apparent to Winterfell, but John seems to have the characteristics to make him a great lord. He does. It's a, yeah, it's a shame. He's, there's really not, not a place for him to be a lord uh, yeah. because of his, him being a bastard. But yeah. you know, he's got the keen eye for picking up details and reading people. But he's the only sibling that doesn't have a clear path for a successful future. Yeah. So the Night's Watch is the way out for boys in that kind of position. He, he compared to a lot of the riffraff that go up to the wall, he would be a god. Yes. He, he could fill Sir Waymar Royce's <laughs> he could, <that's laughs> recently <right>. vacated <laughs> Yeah, that's... You definitely... You can understand, especially from a 14-year-old boy's perspective, why he might be enamored with the Night's Watch. Because it is a way up and out for him. He could be a ranger in the Night's Watch and very well respected. He's yeah. not going to... You're not selling it to me, I've got to say. <laughs> I'm not, I wouldn't want it. But, I mean, I mean, again, he, he's being brought up by a by a foster mother who doesn't like him. You know? Right, yeah. Which, but like like you said, that's kind of Benjamin's point, is taste some life yeah. before you... Yeah. We'll be right back. Hello, friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. So Bunyan's reason for hesitation on John joining are legitimate, it would seem. I mean, it wouldn't take much to change a kid's mind, you know. Right, yeah. He's, uh, you get up there and you're like, oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> this is not what I thought it was going to be at all. Did you notice Benjamin was dressed very richly, much uh, in the vein of Sir Wayne Rice? Uh-huh. So I, I, don't, I don't believe they get paychecks. In the night's watch, so <laughs> it, clearly he must be getting some money from uh, yeah, I think, I think his Winterfell trust funds. Parcels from home, you know, yes. like, nice care packages exactly, from yeah. Ned. So um, let's have a quick comparison with the television show. Uh, generally, it was quite close. We do see the feast, but we don't really see it from John's perspective in the show. I mean, I think that's something that always sort of gets lost in translation between the books because the book is, you know, every time it's a first person perspective right. of what's going on and of course the show doesn't do it like that the show gives us the, the holistic yep. so John isn't in the feast in the show, in the show he's outside practicing his sword work Right, right. Um, we also in the show we get to see Catelyn and Cersei having a very politely restrained conversation about their children it's not exactly friendly I imagine that that would be the way it would go probably yes. Their personalities. yes yes I think so yeah. Yeah. although I, I imagine 
Cersei would, having a conversation with Ned would probably be fairly similar. Yeah. <laughs> it did not seem... We, we got in Catelyn 1, uh, Ned's opinion on Cersei. Was not a That's big fan right. of Cersei. It seems like the feelings are mutual here in this chapter. I'd say so. TV Robert seems even more boorish and lecherous than the book version. Right in front of his wife, he's kissing women and things in the TV show. So, so. Yep. That's not going to... To be fair to Cersei, this would make anyone kind of right. grumpy, I would yes, feel. Yes, that's know. true. That is a good point. Yeah. One thing the TV show doesn't... It doesn't include the story of Daron Targaryen's conquest of Dorne, which makes sense. I mean, you know, they've, they've only got an hour. We've noticed they've cut out some history. Yeah, I mean, and that is pretty long-ago history right there. Yes, it's right. It's hard to justify a couple hundred it. years ago. Yeah. But again, it's one of the things in the book that makes John seem like a kid, I think, is that, you know, he hero worships Jamie Lannister right. and Targaryen and his prior image of the king. Right. And yeah, that's true. Uh, he also doesn't get drunk in the TV show. That's true. Yeah, never goes. Even though he's seen it, he's played by an adult. <laughs> it'll be more fitting for Kit Harrington to get drunk than a 14-year-old <laughs> yeah. boy, but it's not the way they chose to go in the TV show. Tyrion's entrance in the book is with a gymnastic yes. flourish, which right. Peter Dinklage does not <laughs> do in the uh, in the TV show. We don't we don't know what we were missing yeah. when we saw it on the TV show. Ghost doesn't make an appearance in the TV show in this scene at all. Oh, is that right? You know, that's right. Yeah, he doesn't. There is no there's no ghost in this. Does does John does John even get into the feast? Do they ever no. show John in the feast? I was just thinking that maybe Tyrion met Ghost outside, but he didn't. Okay, he didn't. Um, yeah, and the TV, this is an interesting one. The TV show omits Tyrion's last line in the conversation about all dwarves are bastards, but not all bastards need be dwarves, which is the line that really touches John. Yeah, right. You I know. really like that line. Yeah, and in actual fact, the the scene in the TV show ends quite frostily. There's none of this sort of like watching him leave and seeing his shadow right. or anything like that. So I think I I don't know if there was the decision to sort of prolong the antagonism between these two before they become friends. If, Maybe if perhaps they're going to become friends. I right. Don't know. The book certainly made it seem more likely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so some non-spoiler background. The TV show skipped it, but we won't. Darren Targaryen was the first of his name. He was the eighth Targaryen king. So, yeah, about 200 years ago. Yep. The first to successfully bring Dawn into the Seven Kingdoms, which is then, that brings up a question in my mind, actually. I thought Dawn was one of the original Seven Kingdoms. It was the one kingdom that Aegon the Conqueror did didn't. not bring in. Dorne's always coming and going in and out of the Seven Kingdoms, it seems. So did they call... But but it is one of the Seven. Yes. I've got some detailed background information on Dorne I'll give here in a minute. Okay, that sounds good. Some, something for all for all of us to look forward to. So Dorne had resisted to that point. Um, Darren was dashing and brave and all the things John thinks he was, but he was also a bit crazy, apparently. Yeah. His own accounts of the campaign were well written, but horribly exaggerated. And he was assassinated by men from Dawn when he was only 18, so... Ouch. So speaking of Dorne, here's that information about Dorne that I promised you earlier. So Dorne is the southernmost kingdom of Westeros. They're ruled by House Martell. Dorne is the hottest region of Westeros, so Ned would hate it there. <laughs> Dornish people have dark eyes, olive skin, and hair in ringlets. The kingdom came and went from rule of the Iron Throne for a long time with much bloodshed, until King Darren II and Prince Marin Martell, through peaceful negotiations, officially brought Dorne into the Seven Kingdoms. Through the negotiations, the Martells are allowed to continue to use the title Prince or Princess of Dorne. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting that as well because that's it. It's not the same King Darren. It's King Darren the second who actually right. negotiated the the peaceful entrance of Dawn into the Seven Kingdoms. Yes. So Many again, generations after yes, Darren the first. Right. So so after after years of bloodshed precipitated by Darren the first, who right. is John's hero, and uh, but peaceful negotiations made it all happen yes. in the end. So. Notice the fourteen-year-old boy wasn't all excited about, about the peaceful, peaceful negotiations. Yes. Right, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't fit with fourteen-year-old boys. Though. Kids today, yeah. <laughs> so, um, House Martell, or more formally House Nymeros Martell of Sunspear, is one of the great houses of the Seven Kingdoms. They're the ruling house of Dawn. The current lord is Doran Martell. Their full title refers refers to the union between the Martells and the warrior queen Nymeria about a thousand years ago. Their sigil is a spear passing through a red sun on an orange background. This was derived from both the Martell and Nymerian emblems. Their words are unbowed, unbent, unbroken. In recent times, the alliance between the Martells and the Targaryens, which was formalized by, by uh, Prince Marin and King Darren, um, has been cemented by the marriage of Elia Martell, which is Doran's sister, to Rhaegar Targaryen, who's Daenerys' big brother. Her death and the death of her two children at the end of Robert's Rebellion is a wound that presumably hasn't completely healed in Sunspear. Right. We also meet House Lannister. It's one of the great houses of the Seven Kingdoms. Their seat is Casterly Rock, but it's also a prominent house in Lannisport. They are the Wardens of the West. They ruled as Kings of the Rock until Aegon's Conquering. Their words are, Hear me roar, although many believe them to be a Lannister always pays his debts. Their current lord is Tywin Lannister. Tywin was once a uh, hand of the king to Aerys Targaryen. I guess they were kind of buddies back in their mm-hmm. younger days. Aerys Targaryen being also referred to as the Mad King. Um, until a falling out splintered their relationship. I don't want to go too much into it because that's kind of a, a storyline. It's something you learn later on. But they do have a falling out that splinters their relationship. And given... Ares' subsequent behavior, Tywin uh, seems a bit lucky to still be with us. Yeah, he doesn't... Uh, right. Ares <laughs> didn't ordinarily tolerate people disagreeing with him, right. it seems. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Jamie Lannister, so we've, we've solved the mystery of who was the Kingslayer. It's Jamie right. Lannister. He is and was a member of the King's Guard, so his job was to protect King Ares, and he ended up killing him. Right, that's a fail. That is <laughs> job fail. Yeah. What's interesting is that Robert kept him on as a King's Guard, <laughs> despite... I mean, that's a forgiving employer, right? Yes, there. I yes. suppose he's forgiving him because he... Robert owes his job to yes. the fact that... He killed him on his behalf. Exactly. Or, I don't know if it was on his behalf, but him killing Ares... Worked out in Robert's favor. Was a prerequisite favor. for Robert to get the job, yes. where he could decide whether or not the Kingslayer got to remain right. the King's guard. But he would be a little, you know. His one job is to protect the king, and he did the exact opposite of that. So <laughs> yeah. he didn't just let the king die; he took care of it. It's like the goalkeeper catches the ball, turns around, and smashes it right. into his own net. And not... Then he starts the next game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the, the other thing is, I mean, this goes back to the TV show differences. Um, while this scene was very similar, we'd actually already met the Lannister brothers in the TV show by this point. There's a, a scene right. that predates the feast uh, where Tyrion is in a brothel in Winterfell. And uh, we get to see that side of his character, the, yes. the, the misbehaving side. And I have two thoughts on that. Uh-huh. One, 
a brothel in Winterfell just does not, I don't know. Well, yeah. <laughs> I just don't see Ned. Allowing it. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't seem like the kind of guy. But, you know, yeah. he's got men that... Yes, yes, he does. It's going to be hard <laughs> to say no to them. Right. But I would imagine it would be on the outside of Winterfell. Right, you yes. Know, sort of like, you know, sort of a shanty town right. outside the walls of Winterfell somehow. My, um, my other thought on that is, then this goes back to the comparison between the TV show and the book. So we've... We, we've kind of gotten away from background info here. Yeah. We're going back to previous sections. But one thing that struck me when I started reading the books after I had watched the first four or five seasons of the TV show was that the TV show felt like a really kind of a raunchy show. There was a lot of brothel sex scenes, and there's just not that many scenes that take place in a brothel. There's not that many <laughs> sex scenes in general in the book. And not saying I was disappointed. I'm just saying I was surprised. I thought I expected it to be a more raunchy type situations in yeah. the book, and there's not that many. I think the other thing that happens in, in that scene that we don't have in the book is that we see an interaction between Jamie and Tyrion, and you see a fondness from Jamie for Tyrion. He, right. he likes him and finds him kind of funny and interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which sort of humanizes Jamie a little bit. I mean, as as an inscrutable king's guard and a sinister king slayer. Right. It's uh, it's you're not necessarily going to see him as a rounded character, but he uh, he definitely has a fondness for his little brother, and his little brother has got several reasons to want friends. You know. Yes. It's not his, as he says, all fathers see dwarves as bastards. Right. Know, so. Yeah. Yeah. He's not in. He, he's not turning away friends at the door. Right. <laughs> he can use as many as he can get. Right. I guess. Okay, um, my favorite part, pedantry corner. There's not a lot here, but I am curious as to how Tyrion got up right onto the <laughs> shelf above the. Because John offers to get a ladder to bring him right. down. He must be a ways up there. Yeah, I mean, maybe I... he had a ladder, got up there, kicked it over, <laughs> yeah. so it looked more. So John actually meant, "You want me to get this ladder for you? Are you stuck?" I think just <laughs> this gymnastic attitude, and then there's just too high. That's really too high, I think. So we have some listener mail. We do, yes. So uh, we got an email, it's signed Dieter Pinklage, <laughs> but I believe it might be from our friend Dan. Uh, yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Dan. I mean, again, same email address. <laughs> right. Yeah, and he's been asking about it, uh, yeah. asking us about it at lunch. He's not masking very well. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> it's Dan. So basically what Dan is asking is, uh, and I don't want to read the whole email because uh, there's some what we have deemed spoilerish type information in it. But he's basically saying, is Ned oblivious to the omens that should be clear to a spiritual man of the old gods, or is he acutely aware of them, but doing his duty anyway? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a good question. We, we talked about this a little bit when we when we talked about the, you know, the omens that right. Ned was seeing. Um, should we rehash the omens? Well, the I mean, that would be initially his discovering that at least somebody from the Night's Watch believes he's seen White Walkers, right. that a dire wolf was killed by choking on a stag's antler. Um, that's it, I suppose, for Ned. We, we we also threw in dragons, but he didn't hear anything about dragons. <laughs> Ned's not reading the book like we are. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, I think i, I got to conclude, and, and, and Dieter Pinklage or Dan asks the question, it's key to understanding his character, which of those two things you think he is, which camp, do you, which right. camp you're in. I gotta say, I think he sees these omens. I, yeah. d- I don't, don't think he's not seeing these omens. And in some ways, 
in some ways he's he isn't still doing his duty if you remember he was arguing with cat about not wanting to go to right. you know he he recognized the Amazon was trying to get out of it but he is duty bound to do the right. things he's being asked to do he was on team winterfell he certainly was <laughs> yeah yeah now you're right if he was blind to the omens he still doesn't want to go right. regardless he right. doesn't want to go because he wants to be home yeah. in winterfell but but he might say yes if it wasn't for the omens he might have been like oh, maybe this will be fun a couple of years a bit of sunshine yeah winter's coming yeah <laughs> maybe he could stop saying that for a little while <laughs> perhaps <laughs> really everyone in king's landing will look at him like what the heck are you talking about but yeah no it's it's a really interesting it's a really interesting, but certainly that's that's my take on it i don't think he's he's not seeing these omens the way we are but i agree um we do appreciate the email and we hope for more thanks very much thank you dan or Dieter. Thanks. <laughs> Notes and corrections. Zena wrote in to tell us that Simon's too quiet and McKelly's too loud. So I'm sitting a bit close to the mic. And I've been gagged. <laughs> gagged, gagged and bound. <laughs> I am trying to keep my voice a more even tone today. Yeah. You can't help getting excited. That's understandable. It's just, it's just such a fun... Exactly. I have so much fun when we do this. Exactly. Honestly, the real problem is... Um, I mean, not to not to undermine our professionalism here. Right, but yes, we are using a, a borrowed microphone. And it's, <laughs> if we had friends who had better microphones, right. I think we'd be doing a much better job. Like, secondhand mics, you know. Yeah. we have to live with our limitations. Yeah, yeah. Once we get those corporate sponsors rolling in, we'll get this fixed. Don't you worry. But thank you for contacting us, Zena. Yes, we appreciate the feedback. All right. So, in conclusion, uh, not terribly eventful, but you know, we're racking up the characters now. Yep. Yep. To proliferate and we're fleshing out john yeah he's a mix of maturity and childishness uh-huh. which he's a 14 year old boy so yep as to be expected yep we begin to get descriptions of the starks and the baratheons and some insights into them as people although again from john's perspective but right Tyrion in particular seems more intelligent and perhaps misunderstood or underestimated by people yeah meanwhile Robert was a disappointment to him. He was. He was. All right. So that's all for this episode. That's Please all. like and subscribe if you're enjoying it. We'd also love to hear from you. Ghost.haronhall at gmail.com. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.